house. As I said, we'll be in Acts chapter number 14. We'll be finishing up looking at Paul's missionary journey. Acts 14 will begin in verse number 19 and be going through the rest of the chapter. And so go ahead and find your place there and we'll try to dive right into the message. See, the last few weeks I've been developing this habit of preaching two sermons. I'm trying to cut that first sermon out and just go straight in to the prepared sermon and I'll just insert the second sermon somewhere in the middle and y'all won't even catch it. See, that's how we do that. But no. anyway, uh, Acts chapter number 14. Boy, I tell you what, as you look at Paul's missionary journey and you look at all that took place in uh, Paul's life as he journeyed and, and what Paul went through and what Paul endured for the sake of the gospel. I'm telling you what, chapter 13 and chapter 14 of the book of Acts are some powerful passages of Scripture. Then they teach one thing. They teach uh, by example of what Paul accomplished the importance of being faithful in the ministry. And as we'll be looking today, Paul endured some difficult things. As we read in the book of 2 Timothy, he said, what persecutions I endured at Antioch, at, at um, Iconium, at Lystra. And we'll be looking at those persecutions. And Paul endured these things. But the reason Paul endured was because he believed in the power of the gospel. As Brother Danny just sang, he believed that the blood that Christ shed on Calvary was capable of washing away our sin. He believed that there was hope. He believed that there was deliverance. He believed that there was help. And Paul endured what he endured because Paul wanted to see the lost world find this hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was determined. Paul did not care what type of persecution he faced. Paul did not care uh, what type of uh, hardships he went through. Uh, Paul did not care how much sacrifice uh, he had to make in his own life uh, in order to get the gospel out uh, because Paul believed with all of his heart uh, that if other people uh, would believe uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, they would find deliverance uh, from the power and destruction of sin. And Paul went and Paul traveled and Paul preached because Paul believed the gospel. You know, there is nothing that will make you faithful to the ministry like believing the gospel. There is nothing that will make you determined to share the good news with the lost and dying in this world like believing the gospel. I believe that sometimes the gospel has become a thing of convenience for us and we're happy about what it has done for us but we have not got the level of belief that Paul had that Paul said it doesn't matter even if you kill me I am going to Proclaim the good news because I know it will help you if you'll believe in it. Paul was faithful in the ministry. Here in Acts chapter number 14, verse 19 to 28, we read how things went from bad to worse with the apostle Paul, but Paul remained faithful. As we look at this this morning, I want us to be challenged to be faithful in the ministry. Read with me starting in verse number 19. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul drew him out of the city supposing that he had been dead. Howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe 
And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. When they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. And after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia and thence sailed to Antioch, from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. I'll tell you what, that line right there, you ought to underline that, the work which they fulfilled. They did what they had been commissioned to do. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them, and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles, and there they abode long time with the disciples. Let's pray. Father, it's good to be in your house. Father, it's good to be among your people. Father, it's good to have our hearts encouraged, to have our hearts challenged. Uh, Lord, to be reminded of our responsibility and our need to take the gospel uh, and Lord, to share it with those. Uh, Lord, that they might find the hope uh, and the healing that can be had uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, as we look now at this example of Paul uh, and Lord, his belief in the gospel uh, and his faithfulness to the ministry. Lord, I pray uh, that you will accomplish two things with this message. Lord, one, I pray that you will challenge us, uh, that Lord, we will be faithful uh, to the work that you have called us to do. And then secondly, Father, uh, Lord, that if there's any here that doesn't know you as Savior, Lord, as we speak uh, of the gospel that Paul proclaimed, uh, that Lord, if they've never accepted you as Savior, that Lord, they will see that the gospel that Paul proclaimed is the same gospel we proclaim today. And that by believing in you, Father, they can have that hope uh, and that freedom and that deliverance that Paul preached. I pray to Lord that you'll bless in the message. Thank Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Open our hearts. Help us, Lord, to be receptive to what it is that you have for us. And Father, we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. As we, as we look at this passage of Scripture, if I could give you just a little bit of a recap. In chapter number 13, uh, the church at Antioch in Syria, and we'll be talking about two Antiochs. There's the Antioch in Syria, which is where the church was located, that sent Paul and Barnabas out as missionaries. Uh, in their missionary trip, they went to a town known as Antioch in Pisidia. This is two completely different cities. Cities, uh, but just to make sure you don't get confused as we go through the message. So in chapter number 13 and verse number 1, the church there at Antioch in Syria sent Paul and Barnabas out as missionaries. The Lord, Christ, Lord Jesus had told them uh, that he wanted them to preach the gospel in Jerusalem and in Judea and under the uttermost parts of the world. So this was a first step, uh, a first launch uh, in taking the gospel into the uttermost parts of the world, into the regions beyond uh, Jerusalem and Judea. And so uh, the church there at Antioch in Syria prayed... Uh, over Paul and Barnabas and they uh, prayed that the Lord would bless them and they sent them to take the gospel. Uh, and thus they began on a journey and they went from city to city to city and in each city they would preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you look in chapter 13 and chapter 14 you'll see that they traveled to Seleucia, they traveled to Cyprus, they traveled to Salamis, they traveled to Paphos, they traveled to Perga, they traveled to Antioch and Pisidia, they traveled to Iconium uh, and where we find them right here... Uh, in chapter number 14 is they are in Lystra. They have left Iconium and they have come to Lystra. Uh, now in their travels uh, Paul and Barnabas have encountered a lot of things and I'm telling you what if you get busy going out and sharing the gospel you're going to encounter a lot of things. You will be amazed at what people believe and how people have combined beliefs and came up with their own belief. It's interesting what 
all you'll find. But as Paul and Barnabas traveled, uh, they have dealt with false religion. They have dealt with sorcerers. Uh, they have had people drop out of the ministry. Uh, they've dealt with persecution. Uh, they've had many people believe in the gospel. But at the same time, uh, they have had many people who have rejected the gospel that they have preached. Uh, they have performed miracles. Uh, but overall, they have been faithful to preach Jesus Christ. We see that as they went preaching the gospel, they experienced both acceptance and rejection. And in Antioch of Pisidia and Iconium, the persecution was so strong that Paul and Barnabas had to leave for fear of their lives being taken. The churches had been established and there was rumor that they were going to lose their life if they stayed. And so they left Antioch of Pisidia and went to Iconium. They met with the same persecution there in Iconium. So again they left and they went to Lystra. And here in Lystra they are preaching. Now if you remember last week as we were looking at it there in Lystra, you remember that Paul performed a miracle. And in this miracle he healed a lame man. And when he healed this lame man, the people there in Lystra felt that Paul must be a god. They wrongly interpreted the miracle as coming from the power of a god. They believed in false gods and they assumed that Paul and Barnabas must be those false gods in human form and so they wanted to make sacrifices to them in which Paul and Barnabas quickly informed them that they were not gods. They were not trying to, to do this to bring recognition to themselves but simply to show the power that was available in Jesus Christ. They were doing this to represent the deliverance that only Christ could give and they quickly pointed the people back to the Lord Jesus Christ. We come here though to verse number 19 and we see that the people in Lystra who just a day or so ago were wanting to make sacrifices and recognize Paul and Barnabas as gods have changed their minds completely. If you look in verse number 19, and it says, And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium, the two cities that had thrown Paul and Barnabas out, threatening to stone them. The residents of those cities who rejected the teaching of Paul and Barnabas followed them to Lystra. And here in Lystra they persuaded the people. You know what? It is interesting how when people are driven by emotion rather than by truth, how quickly they can change their mind. The very people that a couple of days ago wanted to worship Paul and Barnabas have now been convinced that they need to stone Paul because of what he is preaching. Here in verse number 19 we see that Paul was stoned for the gospel. Isn't it interesting? how the cause of Christ is often hindered by religion. Uh, these people were so steeped in their tradition, they were so steeped in what they had always believed that they rejected the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ to the point that although Paul was clearly proclaiming what Jesus Christ could do, Paul was clearly portraying the deliverance that Christ could bring, yet these people rejected Christ to the point that they wanted to kill Paul because he was saying that their tradition was of none effect. 
Isn't it interesting how religion often gets in the way of the work of Jesus Christ? They were more concerned in maintaining their Jewish traditions than seeing God work a work of transformation in their life. Because of the opposition of the Jews in Antioch and Iconium, Paul had went to Lystra, and there in Lystra he had began to preach Christ. But these men came. I called them here in my notes, these religious heathens. I don't know if you've ever encountered any religious heathens, but they come in a lot of varieties. These religious heathens came to Lystra, and they persuaded the people that Paul was worthy of, of death. We see here in verse number 19, the Bible says, And having stoned Paul, they drew him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. Now, I don't know if you understand how stoning worked. Basically, if you were to stone someone to death, you would set the person in the center and a group of people would stand in a circle around the person and they would take large stones Large stones, not little pebbles. Large stones. It reminds me of when we was in Papua New Guinea and we was walking up the road to work on the house and there was a snake out in the road and some fellas began to throw little rocks uh, at the snake uh, trying to scare the snake away and I said, let's just kill the fella and I picked up a great big boulder and just dropped it on his head. You know, I mean, I meant business. I meant for the snake to die. They gave me a hard time about that the rest of the week but the snake was dead. Whenever you stone someone, you're not trying to irritate them. You're not trying to annoy them. You're trying to kill them. You get big stones, softball size, soccer ball size, big stones, and you throw them at very short range at the person. Whenever you stone someone, you break bones, you break ribs, you bruise the face. They are not careful where they throw. They are not cautious in where they aim. They just are doing their best to kill you. This, this isn't for fun. And they continue to throw stones at you until there is no sign of life left. They took Paul and they stoned him. They stood around him and they threw rocks. Now, Paul was a great preacher. Paul was an author of many books of the Word of God. And we uphold Apostle Paul and rightly so. But we need not forget whenever we're reading about these instances in Paul's life that Paul was ever bit as much a human as you and I are. And when those rocks hit his body, it hurt him just as much as it would hurt you and I. And whenever you mash your finger with a hammer and that pain shoots through your body and you're no longer able to think straight, Paul was experiencing that degree of pain over and over and over as these stones hit his body, as they broke his bones, as they bruised his head. And Paul probably was in a state that he wasn't even able to think straight and he was reacting to the pain. I'm sure he was crying out from the pain. It was hurting him until finally Paul was laid in a crumpled heap with rocks all over his body. He was no longer responding. He was no longer flinching. Some people believe that Paul actually died and the Lord raised him back up. Whether or not that's the case, we do not know for sure. There's other passages of Scripture that indicate that may be the case. But they stoned Paul until he was laying on the ground completely lifeless. And they said, he's dead. And they turned and walked away. Now, I dare say there is no one 
in this congregation that has ever experienced any type of persecution, whether physical or emotional, that comes anywhere close to what Paul endured in that stoning. They killed him in a very cruel and brutal way. They killed him. They stoned him to death. Why did they stone him? Had Paul broke any laws? No. Paul hadn't broken any laws. Had Paul wronged any person? No. Paul had not wronged any person. They stoned him because Paul was saying there is hope in Jesus Christ. Paul was saying what you're believing in will cause you to wind up in hell and you need to quit believing in something that there's no hope in and you need to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was delivering a message of hope. Paul was delivering a message of deliverance but because people are so proud and so arrogant and so unwilling to turn loose of their own assumptions and their own ideas, they became furious with Paul, not because he was giving them a message of hope, but because he was saying, what you believe in is going to put you in hell, and they didn't like somebody telling them they were wrong, and they killed him for it. Because he was trying to bring deliverance. Paul was stoned for the gospel. But although Paul had been stoned and left for dead, his ministry wasn't over. Well, I'm telling you what, I don't know whether to shout or cry when I make that statement. His ministry wasn't over. I mean, to me, it seems like this would have been a good time for the Lord to take him on home and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in many things. But his ministry wasn't over. There was still more preaching to be done. There was still more books of the Bible to be written. There was much work to be done for Apostle Paul. His ministry wasn't over. And Paul was faithful to do the work. In verse number 20, I believe one reason that he was able to be faithful in the work is because Paul was supported by the brethren. He was supported by the brethren. Howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city. We see that Paul was laying there as dead and the disciples. I believe this included Barnabas and uh, I believe this included those who had believed the gospel. This included those who had uh, recently started these churches and, and these people come and they're standing around Apostle Paul. They believed he was dead. They believed there was nothing that they could do to help Paul. But they were there for Paul. They were there with him. He was supported by the brethren. If there is one thing that will keep a soldier in the fight, it's the support of the brethren. If there is one thing that will keep you plowing when you feel like there's no reason to plow, it's the support of the brethren. If there is something that will keep you standing for God when it seems like the whole world has turned their back on God, it is the support of the brethren. It's why the Bible teaches that it is important that as a church family that we hold up one another. There are times that I need your support. There are times when I need you to come alongside and say stay in the fight. Pastor John. There are times when you need my support and you need me to give you a call or send you a message or come by your house and say, hang in there. You've got this. You're able to accomplish this. We need each other's support. And if we're going to make it in this battle, we've got to learn to support the brethren. Now there's two ways you can go about that. One, I can always go around looking for support. 
or I can always go around giving support. Whenever I apply this verse to me, I apply it in such a way that I am to be giving support. And if all of us apply this verse to our lives in such a way that I need to be supporting the brethren, and Brother Ted, I believe I ought to support you, and you believe you ought to support me, you know what happens? We both get support. But if everybody's going around with the idea that somebody needs to support me and we all have this idea that somebody needs to support me and somebody needs to lift me up and somebody needs to help me and we all have that mindset, we're going to be a bunch of mully grubbing, complaining Christians that never help anybody. Supporting the brethren. Paul was able to go on because he got the support of the brethren. He had some people standing around him that wanted to help him on the way. There was no doubt this was a low point for the Apostle Paul. Paul was sold out. Paul was determined. Paul was going to press on. But I believe at this point, in this moment, in Paul's life, unless Paul had something that I don't understand, Brother Brandon, I believe Paul was at a low point. I believe Paul at this moment was discouraged. You say, oh no, not Apostle Paul. I believe you got a wrong opinion of Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul was a man just like passions, just like you and I. He was made out of the same flesh you and I are made out of. He was able to press on because he put his hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. But at this moment in his life, uh, Paul was in pain. Uh, Paul was hurting. Paul was bruised. Uh, Paul, his gospel had been rejected. I believe Paul was discouraged. Uh, but whenever he kind of moved around uh, and he's like, oh, my hurt, oh, my back, uh, oh, my leg, and he pushed the rocks off to the side uh, and he set up, uh, what did he see? Uh, but a group of Christians standing around him beaming from ear to ear, rejoicing because Paul was alive, coming to his support, putting their arms around him, lifting him up, wanting to encourage him, wanting to help him. And Paul's like, I thought I was all alone. I thought I was by myself. I thought I was going through this without any help. But because I see you, and because I see your support, and because I see your love, I'm going to get up. Somebody give me a hand. Pull me up out of this pile of rocks. We're going on for the cause of Christ. Why? Because he was supported by the brethren. Paul was stoned for the gospel, but he was able to go on because he was supported by the brethren. I don't care how tough we are. There will always be times when we need each other. And I tell you what, as Christians, we ought to be a group of people that are busy supporting one another. Paul had hit the bottom. We could say he had hit rock bottom. But at his lowest point, he was supported by the brethren. Because of Paul being supported by the brethren, because of Paul being lifted up by the brethren, I believe that we see that Paul was able to remain steadfast in the ministry. And boy, I tell you, I see an example here of faithfulness that I rarely see exhibited in our day. Look at verse number 20, the last phrase. And the next day. Just, just underline that. He just got stoned. Paul has, has got broken bones. And if by some miracle no bones are broken, Paul is bruised, he is sore, he is hurting. Just to be blunt, he is ugly right now. He is looking really, really rough. And that doesn't heal up overnight. Paul is in rough shape. 
and the next day. He got up and he went to Derby. Well, why'd he go to Derby? Was there a hospital there? Was there a motel place where Paul could rest up for a week or two? No. Why did he go to Derby? It said, and there he preached the gospel. Paul said, there's no time for me to lay around. There's no time for me to heal up. There's no time for me to take a break. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ must go forward. And so he got up the next morning. I can see it now. He's staying there in one of the believers' homes. They helped him limp home that night. They got him put in there. They put him in bed. They brought him some broth. They gave him something and they got him covered up. So Paul, you get a good night's rest. And the next morning they're up early. They're in the kitchen. They're getting some things put together. And here comes Paul. He's done found him a stick. And he's holding on to the wall and he comes around the corner. And they're like, what are you doing, Apostle Paul? You need to be in bed. He said, I was just wondering if anybody would give me a ride to Derby. There's some people over there that need to hear the gospel and I'm going to preach. They said, Paul, you ain't in no shape to preach. You're in no shape to stand before people and proclaim the gospel. Paul said, I'm in no shape to lay in the bed because the Bible tells me that I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians. I've been called to preach the gospel and I'm not going to lay in bed and let people die and go to hell. I believe in the gospel. Well, I'm telling you what, we live in a soft, soft, soft society. And I know that there are situations and there are circumstances that cannot be avoided and I am not at all making light of those situations and circumstances. But you know what? I have a serious problem whenever people use physical ailment as an excuse from sharing the gospel. They say, oh, I have this or I have that. Oh my, I'm just not able. Paul said there's people that need preach too. And I don't care if I have to hold on to Brother Barnabas while I walk. I'm going to keep preaching. This uh, pandemic, and I don't mean to make light of anyone's concerns, and I believe with all my heart that the COVID pandemic is a very real thing. And I believe that it has taken the lives of many people. For those people, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for their loss. And I know that there are folks who stayed home. I know that we canceled services to make sure that we protected ourselves from this pandemic. But you know what? We've learned a lot about the pandemic. We've learned a lot about how it spreads. We've learned a lot about how it affects people. We've learned that a lot of the things that came out at the beginning that we were being cautious about really didn't apply or really didn't matter. We've seen a lot of things change. We've had a lot of people receive the vaccination. How you feel about that is your business, whether you agree with it or not. We're not diving into that politics this morning. But I know a lot of people have received the vaccination. And I know there are a lot of people sitting at home, perfectly healthy, in no danger whatsoever, not in a high-risk group, not in a group where it is very probable that they could catch it, not an elderly person, someone who is young, someone who is healthy, someone who could be in the house of God doing the work of God, who are sitting at home and they are not one whit scared of the pandemic. They're not one bit concerned about catching COVID because they do everything else that they want to do, but they
they stay out of the house of God and they use this COVID pandemic as an excuse and say, I don't have to go to church. I don't have to participate. I'm afraid I might catch COVID. Let me tell you, if you are being a hypocrite in your life and you are not coming to church, but you're doing everything else and blaming it on this pandemic, God is not going to show you mercy because you are lying to the Holy Ghost. Now, if you are in a high-risk group, if you are genuinely concerned for your health, uh, if you are truly living as a hermit and everything's getting shipped in by Amazon and you ain't left your house since last March, hey, good news to you. I couldn't stay in that long. You stay in as long as you feel necessary. I have no problem with that. But I do have problem. Whenever we use things as an excuse, when it's not the real problem. You know, I once said, and I believe this is true, and this is, this is very applicable because I have a dentist appointment in the morning. <laughs> Many people treat going to church the same way we treat going to the dentist. You know that if you go to the dentist, you'll be helped. You know that the dentist will help that toothache or he'll fill that cavity or whatever it is that's giving you an occasional problem. You know that going to the dentist will benefit you. But I don't believe anybody ever wants to go to the dentist. However, people go to the dentist every day. People regularly go to the dentist, but nobody wants to go to the dentist, but they regularly go because they know they'll get help. But I don't know. Miss Christie here is a, works at the dentist office. I imagine she could tell me if people can find any excuse not to go to the dentist, they don't go to the dentist. They do their best to avoid going to the dentist because although they know it'll benefit them, they don't want to be there. And you know what? Sometimes I feel like we treat church the same way that we treat the dentist office. I know if I go, I'll get help. I know that I ought to go. I know that it'll be beneficial to me. But if I can find any excuse whatsoever, I'm not going to be there. You know what? You need to quit treating your church like a dentist shop and you need to start treating it like the ice cream shop. Because Jesus' ice cream won't rot your teeth out. <laughs> Amen. Let's get back to the sermon. I told y'all I'd slide that second sermon in somewhere. We see in verse 21 and down through verse number 23 that Paul strengthened the saints. I think this is just amazing and we're all out of time but I'm going to take a couple minutes and share this with you. It says, and when they had preached the gospel in that city, they preached there in Derby, and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch. Now, I didn't get a, I wasn't able to find a map that was clear that I could show you what I was wanting to show you this morning, so I'll just try to explain it to you. From Derby, it was just a few miles, about the amount of miles that Paul had been traveling every day. It was just a few miles to Tarsus. Now, I don't know if you recognize the name of the city of Tarsus, but Tarsus is where Paul was from, Saul of Tarsus. That was Paul's hometown, which is where Paul's family was still at. Now, I don't know about you, and I said we're a soft generation, and I am part of that soft generation. So let me tell you what I, as a soft generation person, would have done. Had I preached in all those cities and then got stoned in Lystra, when I got up the next morning, I would have went to Tarsus and got some of Mama's cooking. 
I would have laid in in the recliner and let Mama take care of me and tell me that it'd be all right. And I would have just hung out at home for a little while. And I wasn't worried about doing anything else. I'd already worked hard for the Lord. I'd already preached in a lot of cities. I had just got stoned. I would have went on over to Tarsus. That's where I'd have went. But maybe you say, well, maybe something was wrong and maybe there was some reason he didn't go to Tarsus. Well, you know, just about double that travel time, he could have been back in Antioch and Syria which is the church that sent him out, who we could tell by the end of the chapter definitely loved Paul and cared for Paul and would have took Paul right in if he had came back. He could have just went straight from Lystra to Antioch of Syria back to his church family who would have took him in. And he had every right to do so. But I want you to notice what he did. It says here, after he preached in Derby, he returned again to Lystra. I'm sorry, but if y'all stone me, I ain't coming back. I will find somewhere else to hang out. But Paul went and preached in Derby, and then he said, all right, let's go back to Lystra. There's some Christians there that need encouraged. They saw me get stoned. They need encouraged. They need lifted up. They need help. And then he left Lystra, and where did he go? He went to Iconium. Now, what's at Iconium? The people who stoned him, that's where they live. He went back to Iconium. The Jews that stirred up all the trouble about him, they live in Iconium. Paul said, I need to go back to Iconium. There are some saints there that need some encouragement. And where did he go after Iconium? He went to Antioch and Pisidia, where more of the Jews lived, who hated Paul. But Paul said, there's Christians there that need encouraged. And before I wrap this thing up, I'm going to make sure that they are going on for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what? Paul esteemed others better than himself. Paul said, making sure they're strong in Christ is far more important than my physical health. I'm going to go back to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch and make sure these people are okay. And we see that he confirmed, in verse 22, confirmed the souls of the disciples and exhorted them to continue in the faith that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. When they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them unto the Lord on whom they believed. Then we see in the last part of the chapter, verse 24 to 28, that Paul finally went back home and he shared the good report. And after they had passed throughout Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. And from thence they sailed to Antioch. This is Antioch and Syria. From whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they had fulfilled. And when they were come they had gathered to ch- and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode long time with the disciples. Paul and Barnabas got back. What a trip they've been on. And they come back. And they gather the church in. And they shared their report. And I'm sure that Paul told about the sorcerers. I'm sure he told about the false religion. I'm sure he told about being stoning. I imagine he still carried the marks of the stoning on his body. I'm sure he shared those things. But here in this passage, we see the main thrust of what Paul wanted to share with the church at Antioch. He said, and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. Paul said, boy, something I want to tell you all about. Every city we went into, 
there was people who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Every city we preached in, there was people who put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Everywhere we proclaimed the gospel, there was people who said, I want to live a life for Him. We planted churches in every city. The gospel is going forth. The door of the Gentiles has been opened. If I'd just endured everything that Paul endured, I don't know that I would have felt like the door was open. But Paul wasn't judging the door being open or shut on how the lost responded or how the religious uh, Pharisees responded. He was judging whether or not the door was open on who was believing the gospel. And in every city he went to, there was people who put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and Paul said, the door is open. You know what? There's many things this world will throw in our way, the devil will throw in our path, that will make us think the door is shut. And if he can convince us the door is shut, we'll quit sharing the gospel. And when we quit sharing the gospel, people quit coming to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if we say, hey, the gospel works and we take the gospel, and we preach the gospel, and we see people put their belief in the gospel, we know that the door is open, and we are encouraged to continue proclaiming the gospel. Paul finished the work that he had been called to do. You know what? We've all been called to some degree of service to the Lord. My question to you is, are you staying faithful in the ministry? that God has called you to. Paul goes on more missionary trips. He does more preaching, and we'll be looking at that as we go through the book of Acts. As Paul came to the end of his life, he said, I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I'm wondering, are you being faithful to the ministry that God has called you to do? Or are you letting hardships are you letting trials, are you letting difficulties get in your way so that you're becoming unfaithful to the ministry? Are you going home to mama's house and sitting in the recliner because you just don't want to put up with the persecution anymore? Or are you faithful to the ministry? We see here an example of Paul being faithful to the ministry. Dedicated. Why was he dedicated? because he believed with all of his heart that the gospel was worth it. The gospel was worth it. He believed it. I'm going to ask each of you to stand there to your feet. Miss Debbie's going to come begin to play on the piano. As she comes to play on the piano, I want to extend an invitation to two groups of people. First, I want to extend an invitation to the lost. Paul proclaimed the truth of this gospel because Paul knew that this gospel, that believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, putting your faith and trust in Him, giving your life over to Him, would be a life-changing thing from you. Paul knew that believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and trusting in Him is the only thing that would give you hope and deliverance and freedom. And Paul proclaimed it. And this morning, as we open up the invitation, I want to invite you, if you have never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, don't be one of those people who become angry at those who tell you the truth, but give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Stop fighting. Stop stalling. If there's things you don't understand, let somebody take the Word of God and explain it to you, but give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, but Pastor John, 
You have no idea who I am. You have no idea what I've done. You have no idea what's in my past. You have no idea what kind of person I am. Brother Danny saying just before I preach, the blood covers it all. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what life you've lived. The blood will cover it all. He can wash you and make you clean. He can make you as white as snow. All you have to do is give your life to Him and believe on Him and you will never, ever regret it. So here in a minute when Miss Debbie begins to play, if you've never trusted the Lord, I beg you, come to this altar and put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then secondly, I want to open invitation to the saved. I want to challenge you. Are you being faithful in the ministry? Are you determined? Are you dedicated? Are you making a difference for the cause of Christ? Are you doing your best to see this world changed for Jesus? As Miss Debbie plays, if the Lord spoke to your heart, you come.